0: Welcome to the Thrive Vineyard Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Kevin Kiefer. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit thrivevineyard.com. Today we are going to talk about king and kingdom. King and kingdom. I have a picture of the king. Here he is. Oh, no. what? That's not the king I was referring to. Sorry, wrong king. (laughs) That was just a setup. Yeah, that's not, (laughs) that was intentional. Anyway, so no, we're not talking about that king. We're talking about the real king. Who is the real king? Jesus. Jesus, right. And I honestly feel, church, like I have a very tough task ahead of me because um, I have to try to make real to you something that is so foreign to us as, um, as Americans. Like, we, if we were to be honest, King and Kingdom probably feels super, super ir- irrelevant to us, right? I mean, the only thing that we have to do with King and Kingdom is we, um, historically we rebel against them and we flee from them and currently we watch them on reality TV on netflix and that is about as much interaction as we have with king and kingdom and so you know you might wonder what does a king and a kingdom have to do with us and if you if you were to measure our interest in king and kingdom by the amount of time and energy we spend thinking about it or praying about it. I, I imagine that you guys would be able to say, I have very little interest in king and kingdom. And so what I hope to do this morning, I've got, I feel, a sort of a monumental task. And that is I, I hope that I can help you to value deeply Um, the kingdom of God, not just Jesus, but the kingdom of God. And the reason is, is because to the degree that you understand and immerse yourself into the kingdom of God, according to scripture, you will be able to understand God, understand life, understand your calling as a Christian. So much hinges on the kingdom of God. And yet, Uh, as far as I can tell, many, many Christians are fairly unaware, fairly oblivious to the meaning of the kingdom of God. Does that make sense to you guys? You with me? All right. Uh, So we're going to start with just a quick working definition of the kingdom of God, just so we're sort of on the same page. Uh, so the kingdom of God, as we understand it, is the Bible describes the kingdom of God uh, or the kingdom of heaven. So kingdom of God and kingdom of heaven, those are interchangeable in scripture. In the gospel of Matthew, the kingdom will be referred to as the kingdom of heaven. In the gospel, the other gospels, Luke and, and etc., cetera, the, the kingdom will be referred to as the kingdom of God. But the kingdom of God is wherever God rules, where his rule and his character and his purposes are made manifest in on earth. Right. So wherever God God gets his way wherever he governs what is happening in life that is where the kingdom of God is that is the kingdom of God so the kingdom of God isn't like the united kingdom it's not with borders and you know things that you can see on a map it's God's rule and so Psalm 103 says this the lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all so The throne of God is in heaven and his kingdom rules over everything, right? So his his rule is, or his kingdom is God's rule and reign on earth. But then when Jesus arrived... Um, and, and what you're going to discover is that this kingdom thing is very mysterious. It's a little bit hard to wrap our brains around, I think. And so so I'm saying that God, the kingdom is God's rule, his reign. But then when Jesus talked about the kingdom, um, one of the things that he, the ways that he described is he described the kingdom as a thing that you could almost, almost like a commodity, almost something that you could touch, something that you could possess. And so in Matthew chapter 13, he said this, the kingdom of heaven It's like a treasure hidden in a field. And when a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, he went and sold all that he had. And he bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant searching or looking for fine pearls. And when he found one of great value, he went away. He sold all that he had and he bought it. And so what Jesus was teaching was that the kingdom of God is so precious. It's so valuable that it would be literally worth giving up everything that you have to possess this thing. It'd be worth everything. And so what he's saying is, is I want you to be one of those that gets how valuable the kingdom is. I want you to be one of those that possesses the treasure, the, the, the amazing thing that is God's kingdom. Will you be one of those? And like I said, I believe, church, that without our deep immersion and understanding and value for the kingdom of God, life will not make sense. Jesus and what he was doing will not make sense. God won't make sense. His ministry on earth won't make sense. Your purpose as a Christian, even just life on planet earth, will not make sense until we make sense of the kingdom of God in which we live. So I want to talk about Djibouti. Everybody say Djibouti. Djibouti. Say it again, Djibouti. Djibouti. All right, so we're going to talk about Djibouti. Uh, I I wanted to make some jokes about it, and I opted out. So I'm just going to, in the past, those jokes would have come hard, but today, I'm just going to move forward. Anyway, you could throw a dart at a map of Africa a hundred times, and you would never hit the tiny country of Djibouti, right? It is this small little country in the Horn of Africa, and this is probably not uh, a perfect analogy, but here's what I want you to imagine. I want you to imagine that um, I were to pluck you up out of your seat this morning, and I were to drop you off in Djibouti, Djibouti, because the capital city of Djibouti is Djibouti, so I were to drop you off in Djibouti, Djibouti, and I were to say, you live here now. This is where you're going to live for the rest of your life, okay? Uh, Well, the question I wanted to ask you guys is, what would you need to know if you're permanent dwelling place from now on was Djibouti, Djibouti. What would you need to know? Well, the first thing you'd probably want to know is what the official language is, right? The official languages are French um, and what is it? What's the other one? Arabic, French and Arabic, right? And so you would want to get fluent in one or both of those. You would want to know about the cultural practices of Djibouti, right? You'd want to know how they do family. You'd want to know what they value and things like that. Of course, you would want to know, as Christians, you'd want to know what the predominant religion is in Djibouti, and that uh, religion is Muslim, right? And so, uh, so you'd want to know, how is, is Islam, uh, Islam practiced in the country of Djibouti? You would also probably want to know the people that are there. What, what kind of people? And you would discover that there are two people groups in Djibouti, the Somali and the Afar. And you, it would be really helpful for you to know when you're talking to a person, if you were talking to a Somali person or you were talking to Afar, an Afar person, you would want to know what the currency is, the Djiboutian franc. And you'd want to know how much... Uh, value. What's the value of that currency, right? How much is it worth? You'd want to know about the national pastime and how to recreate, how to have fun. You'd want to know about the healthcare system, how to get help. And, All of that stuff would be really important. But if I were to set you guys there in the middle of Djibouti for the rest of your life and you didn't have that information, you didn't know where you were. Let's say I put you there and you didn't know where you were. Let's say I put you there and you didn't have any of that information. Well, the reality is, is that you would not be able to thrive in that place. Life would be confusing to you. It would be frustrating to you. And the reason is, is because we cannot thrive Until we deeply understand the kingdom that kingdom that we're living in, does that make sense? We will not be able to truly thrive in life until we truly understand the kingdom that we live in. And you may have found yourself even—I know a lot of you guys are really, really mature believers—but you may have found yourself confused about the Christian life, how this relationship with God, this God thing works, because. Maybe you kind of thought at one point or another in your life, like, this isn't exactly what I signed up for. This isn't what I thought it would be. Maybe you came from a church background where, um, you know, you were taught that God heals the sick. He is a healing God. And yet, in your own life, you've experienced sicknesses. Maybe you've experienced people that you care about that have gotten sick, and you've prayed a million prayers, and those prayers went unanswered. And you thought... God, what is going on? You are a healing God. Or maybe you came from the opposite background. Maybe you came from a church background where you were taught God doesn't do that. It would be crazy to, to you know, pray for somebody to get healed. And yet you know the scripture. You see what it says in the Bible. And you're like, well, what's going on here? Maybe you, you know, Molly prayed about I'm so thankful. You guys, we need to pray for Syria. We need to pray for, uh, for Turkey. It's just horrible there. And you kind of look at that and you go, God, you are a good and loving God. What is going on? How could this happen under your watch, right? And these are all legitimate, important questions that we ask. And I believe that the answer to all of these questions is found in the nature of the kingdom of God. And so when we try to live Christian lives without really immersing ourselves in it, we will be frustrated and we will be confused. And so in spite of all of those things that we experience in life that don't seem to line up with God's kingdom, Jesus came announcing that the kingdom of God is at hand. He said that the kingdom of God is right here in the midst of us, like here, you know, as we're here. He said that the kingdom of God has come upon us, that we are citizens of this kingdom and this kingdom. That we will explore today will define much of your life. So I want you guys to lean in with me for a few minutes. Will you do that? Let's just pray real quick. Father, I I just um, pray that you would breathe on us. Holy Spirit, would you just anoint us to understand the nature of your kingdom, to, to be wrecked for any lesser thing, Lord Jesus. I pray that we would truly become a kingdom of God people, just citizens of, of another world, Lord, in the name of Jesus. So who is the king that we're referring to in this kingdom? Jesus. Okay, so God spoke about His intentions to sing to send the King to Earth many, many times in the Old Testament. He did it a ton in the Book of Isaiah, and I want to I want to give you a sense of God's intention for sending King Jesus to Earth. Uh, And there's this great scripture in Isaiah chapter 11, and it describes the nature of King Jesus. And uh, Isaiah wrote this, but this is what the Lord was speaking. And he said this, a shoot will come up from the stump of of Jesse. Jesse was David's father, King David's father. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit from his family line, right? Now listen, the spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might The spirit of the knowledge and fear of the Lord. Fear of the Lord meaning reverence and awe and worship of God. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees or decide by what he hears with his ears. But with righteousness, he will judge the needy. With justice, he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. And with the breath of his lips, he will slay the wicked righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness the sash around his waist. These verses sort of reveal the the character and the nature of this coming king. And this was the promise to Israel, right? The king who would would rule with wisdom and justice and might and righteousness would be coming to Israel to minister to Israel and to minister to the whole world through this coming king, right? And so after the Lord speaks this to Isaiah, Isaiah's riveted, he's excited. And then a year passes, and another year passes, and another, and another, and then a decade goes by, and another decade, and then a century, and then another century, and another century, and Many, many, many years go by and nothing happens. And this this prophecy for many people probably became a distant memory. Probably many people were born and never even knew that God had any intentions for them. And um, and I want you guys to just imagine for yourself in the dusty streets of Galilee during Jesus' time, right? As Jesus was beginning his ministry. So people were coming and going in the streets of Galilee. They were just doing their thing. They were going about their their business. They were buying and selling in the marketplace. They were farming in the in the dry land. They were observing Jewish law and attending festivals. Farmers or you know farmers were doing their thing. Fishermen were casting their nets in the Sea of Galilee. And of course there would be no uh, no picture of, of ancient, you know, Israel or Galilee or Jerusalem would be complete without what? Roman soldiers. Roman soldiers, there would be battalions of Roman soldiers in every city there to keep the order, there to uh, demand, uh, you know, uh, offerings and taxes from the people because Israel was now a vassal state. And for all intents and purposes, God had been completely silent in their nation. And this was the, the people of God and God had been completely silent for hundreds and hundreds of years. And to make matters worse for hundreds and hundreds of years, Israel suffered under the authority of one oppressive regime after another as ancient superpower after ancient superpower conquered and ruled over Israel. First it was the Babylonians and then it was the Persians and then it was the Greeks with Alexander the Great Great. and now, of course, it was Rome and Rome would be there before Jesus was born. He would be there during the entirety of his life and long after that. But suddenly, this is a turning point, but suddenly, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. This voice from, from Isaiah rings out. And then Matthew records this event, this man that came and he says this in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Suddenly there's this voice, and then Jesus shows up just a little while later, and he begins his earthly ministry, and it says in Matthew chapter 4, from that time on, Jesus began to preach. Repent, which is turn, turn back to God. Reorient your life. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. And so all those centuries of silence have ended. The silence has been broken. And so I want to I want to just help you guys to understand what will this kingdom that Jesus is saying, this kingdom is near, it's close to us, it's at hand, it's in our midst. And it's like, okay, well, we know the earthly kingdom. We know what it is to live a regular life. We know what it is to live oppressed. But what does it look like to be in, in his kingdom? What does it look like when the kingdom of God is manifest among us? And in Luke chapter 4, uh, again, At the beginning of Jesus's ministry, it's one of my favorite parts in the whole scripture. Jesus goes to the temple, which was his custom. I appreciate that you guys are sitting here. It was Jesus's custom to show up to church as well. And so he went to temple and he sat down and the scroll of the book of Isaiah was handed handed to him and he opened it up to Isaiah chapter 61 and he read this. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Do you think that this was good news for the people that were listening? It says that the eyes of every person in that room room were riveted. They were on him. They were locked on him. And then he said... Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. You could have heard a pin drop. The king had come. And so it all begins at the beginning of the Gospels. And of course, what everyone was expecting was a Messiah, the king to come in the way that all the other kings had come. Right. So they were expecting Jesus to come the way that Nebuchadnezzar had come. They were expecting Jesus to come the way that Caesar had come. They expected him to come the way that Pharaoh had come, or at least the way that David or Solomon might have come. And they expected him to come with with power. They expected him to come with war, with a restructured government, with punishment of the old regime. And yet he came inaugurating this kingdom. And you know what happened? Nothing. Nothing. Well, I mean almost nothing not much happened jesus went around from town to town with his tiny little posse of guys and he would teach some people about the nature of this incredible kingdom and then he would he would demonstrate what it, this kingdom is about he would teach them that there is healing in the kingdom and then he would heal people he would teach them that there's freedom in the kingdom of god and then he would set people free of every of every bondage and then he would leave And he would go to another town, and he would do some more teaching, and he would do some more demonstrating about the the reality of this kingdom. And before uh, anything could ever happen, before he could build up a great ministry, before he could gather a church like this, he would just move on. Now, do you guys know why Jesus always kept moving, like Rolling Stone gathers no moss? Was that like his life's message or something like that? Do you know why he always moved from town to town? Well, There's a couple of uh, spiritual reasons, but there's some non-spiritual ones as well. And one of those is that had Jesus not moved from town to town, um, one of two things would happen. Either the religious establishment in that town would have absolutely killed him before his appointed time because of the things that he said, because of the things that he did, and the threat that he was to the religious establishment. So they either would have killed him or had he stayed in, uh, in town, the people of that town would have forcibly made him the king of Israel. But it wouldn't have been uh, a, a divine kingship. It would have been an earthly kingship, right? So... I have a point to make and I I'm almost reluctant to share my point because I know we've got some ex pastors in here, we've got some Bible ninjas in here, and this is definitely the most embarrassing point uh in a sermon I have ever made. Uh but it is my point, and so I'm just gonna share it with you. And the point I want to make is is this the kingdom of God is confusing. It's just confusing. That's the point that I want to make, right? And uh, and the reason is, I, I don't exactly know why, but half the time when Jesus preached the kingdom, the people wanted to make him king on the spot, and the other half of the time, they wanted to drive him off a cliff. That was what it was like for Jesus. And Jesus, when he taught about the kingdom, he was cryptic about it. He was mysterious about it. And so in Luke chapter 17, Uh, Luke records this one day The pharisees asked jesus When will the kingdom of god come and jesus replied the kingdom of god can't be detected by visible signs You won't be able to say here it is or it's over there for the kingdom of god is already among you Thanks jesus. That was super helpful (laughs) Right, I get it now But he was right wasn't he the nature of the kingdom is that sometimes we see signs of the kingdom breaking in I mean, sometimes we see... God moving in such a way that's like only God could do this. We see people in our lives or maybe it was us ourselves that were in such incredible bondage to sin or discouragement or brokenness and Jesus enters their life and suddenly you see this whole new life, this new brightness, this new joy, this new purpose for life and you're like the kingdom of God showed up in that person's life. It's so amazing to see, right? We see, how many of you guys have ever experienced what you would say is a miracle of God uh, in healing? either in your life or in someone else's life. How many of you guys have experienced that? Many of you guys have experienced God healing you. I, um, n- uh, a number of years ago, I struggled with super, super um, like horrible migraine headaches for months and months and months basically uh, on, it was like clockwork. Three times a day, the migraines would hit for several hours, and it was debilitating. I actually got depressed. It was a really, really bad thing. And so one day um, I was was at church, and a friend of mine, I was like really languishing. I couldn't really do anything, but I I, I was there, and I had this migraine, and my friend just got ticked off. He was like, that is it. I am sick and tired of this. And he said, I'm praying for you right now to get healed. And he grabbed me by the shoulder, and he said, God, I want you to heal Kevin and right now, it just, just give me his headaches. He had so much compassion. He said, give me his headaches. I'm like, it's not a good prayer, buddy. Uh, but that's what he prayed. And we, you know, I, I left. And the next morning, and I would have had two headaches between that time and 7 a.m. And I woke up the next morning, and I didn't have a single headache. And when I woke up, my head was clear. And I knew instantly that I was completely healed. Like, it was done. Like, I knew it. I could tell. And I called my friend, and I said, you're not going to believe this. And he said, what? I said, my headaches are gone. And he's like, that's incredible. And he said, how are you? And he's like, I got a terrible headache. I have a terrible headache. And I said, this is amazing, right? And so we knew... Thanks for taking one for the team, (laughs) right? So we knew that the kingdom of God had broken into our lives. We have people that have experienced the kingdom in powerful ways, and yet at other times we pray for the sick, and we pray, and we pray, and we pray, and nothing happens. We pray for the person who has a cold and instead of them getting well, we get their cold, right? We pray for a depressed person and they stay depressed and we get bummed out by just dealing with them. No kingdom there, right? Loved ones die. Relationships even between Christians get severed. And we just wonder, God, like, what's going on? What gives here? And I'll, I'll tell you what gives. The kingdom of God, listen, is here now, but it is also not here yet, not fully it's now, but it is not yet. It has come, listen, but it is still to come. It is still coming. We, accept, You guys, you know that we have experienced the first coming of Christ at, at, at Christmas time, at the birth of Jesus, right? And the kingdom of God has broken. But we have not yet experienced the second coming. The second coming of Christ when all sickness will be done with when all tears will be wiped away when there will be no more bondage at all but until that time listen you guys we are a people that are actually living in two kingdoms at the same time we are living in two kingdoms the kingdom of god the kingdom of light and we are living in the kingdom of of darkness satan's kingdom jesus regularly the thing that he most often called satan was the ruler of this world jesus called satan the ruler of this world But then he announced that the kingdom of God had broken in. It was in our midst. And so we are a people that live both in Satan's kingdom of darkness and we live in God's kingdom of light. Not only that, but we live in two separate eras that are overlapping, right? We live in in the old era where Satan rules and reigns, where he gets his way, where we live in this messed up world where we get broken and, and discouraged and terrible things happen. And at the same time, there's this overlap because the kingdom of God has broken into our midst. And that's how the New Testament pictures all of history with the age of misery overlapping with the age of joy. Um, the author of Hebrews says that while we live in this messed up world, this fallen time, this age, he said we have tasted the powers of the age to come. We have tasted the powers of heaven, the the powers of the age to come. So I want to talk about healing for a moment, right? So we are, for those of you that are new here, we are a healing church. We believe that God heals. And Jesus commanded us. He said, I want you to go and continue my healing ministry. Go and pray for the sick that they would be healed. And we know that our God is has healing for us. And so Peter wrote this. He said, he himself, that's Jesus, he bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might Die to sins and live for righteousness. Here's the key phrase, and this is a quote. By his wounds, you have been healed. By his wounds, you have been healed. And then Paul writes in in 2 Corinthians, Therefore we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away, and yet our inner self is being renewed day by day. We live in both kingdoms. We are a people of God's healing, and we live in a a fallen world where our outer selves can be wasting away. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul writes this. He says that we are totally righteous. We are completely, for those of us that have put our faith in in Christ, for those of us that live for the Lord, we have God's righteousness, Jesus' righteousness. And so he says this, for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We are righteous and holy before God, just as righteous and holy as Jesus is. And yet Paul writes in, in, uh, in Galatians 5, he says, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you won't gratify the desires of the flesh, for the flesh craves what is contrary to the Spirit, that's the Spirit of God, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. We are our righteous standing that we live in gets lived out in a world a messed up world that presses down upon us I'll give you two more Ephesians chapter 1 Paul writes all praise to God the father Of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every Spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we're united with Christ. We have been blessed with how many spiritual blessings? Every all right? We've been blessed with everything from God. And yet, in Acts chapter 14, it says that the disciples went from town to town sharing the gospel, right? And it says that they were strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. And they said this, we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, they said. So the kingdom is confusing because we live in two kingdoms. We live in two eras. And so here's where the rubber meets the road. Here's what I want to encourage us to do. This is the application part of the sermon. This is where I want us to think about, well, how then do we live? What do we do as these complex people that live in two eras? as these complex people that live in two kingdoms? What do we do with this information? That's the hard part here of the kingdom, okay? But here's what I want to encourage us to do. I'm going to encourage you to do three things. This is how we assimilate this information. First one is this. Lean into the now of the kingdom lean into the now of the kingdom the kingdom of God breaking in we lean into that number two we acknowledge maturely peacefully that the kingdom is not yet we acknowledge the not yet of the kingdom and finally we do not resolve the tension and I'll talk about what that means so I want to challenge us first to be a kingdom now hey are you guys with me you okay I know it's a little hot you can open up a window If you need to, feel free to throw those windows open. It's it's springtime. Okay. So um, I want to challenge us to be a kingdom now, people. And that is um, I want to encourage us. To lean into everything that Jesus said the kingdom is, that is who we are. To believe that God is a God who pours out joy and wholeness. And the good news is right here among us. And all of the stuff of God's kingdom is available to you and I at any moment. Now, do you believe that? Do you believe that at any moment, the kingdom of God can break into your life? Do you believe that at any moment, healing can come, deliverance can come, restoration can come, love can be released? That is who we are. There is no calamity, there's no brokenness, there's no isolation, there's no sickness, there's nothing that we experience in this life that is greater than Jesus. There is nothing that you will experience in this life that is bigger than what God can do and what he is available to do, what he wants to do in our lives. And so what the proper posture of a follower of Jesus is to be a kingdom now person, to contend for, to pull the kingdom of God down. That is our lean. And so anybody that tells us that God is less than that, we say, no, he's not. He is available. That's how we operate. We will manifest his kingdom in the world. And at the same time, at the same time we can acknowledge and we can understand that his kingdom isn't yet fully here. And Paul encapsulates it so well in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and he said this, "We are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed. We are not we are perplexed, but we are not in despair." We are persecuted, but not abandoned by God. We are struck down, but we are not destroyed. We will always carry around in our body the death of Jesus. Why? So that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. And so we believe God for healing, and we work towards that. We lean into living supernatural lives because God is present, because he is a supernatural God that calls us to do the impossible for his glory and for the good of his children in the world. And at the same time, when the healing doesn't come, when the marriage ends, when the depression goes on, we wisely and peacefully and patiently accept what is. And we cling to God for comfort. And we cling to him for understanding. We cling to him for breakthrough. And so here we have to understand that, that someday all things will be made new. But here and now we contend. Someday all things will be made new, but now we contend. And finally, I want to challenge you guys to resist the urge to solve the tension. What what we're talking about, you guys, is that we live in this pull. We live in this tension where it's like it's here, but it's not here. Sometimes it comes, sometimes it doesn't. And it's hard to live in that place. We do much better when the tension is solved. It would be much easier for all of us if God just always healed every time, wouldn't it? (laughs) Wouldn't <laughs> that just be nice? Like every time. Just throw some healing ants there. We're good, you know? It might actually be easier too if we didn't have to fuss about it, thinking that God might heal and he doesn't. It would just be easier if we knew he didn't. Like all I can offer you is comfort. Like, God is a God who comforts the sick, you know? Like, we don't have to worry about fighting for healing. Let's just work on comfort for a while, right? People have solved that tension all the time, but we, in the, we who are Bible-believing followers of Jesus, we know that we have to live in the middle of that tension. And so what we do is, is when we pray for a person, they don't get healed. We don't make excuses for it. We just say, I'm going to keep praying for you because I know that God is a healing God. And in the meantime, he just loves you so much, and I do too. And I don't want you to try to fake something. I don't want to put, you know, I don't want to put blame on you because that's what happens, right? When when we solve the tension by saying God doesn't heal, we make him and we make the kingdom smaller and we do damage to the world. And when we when we solve the tension by saying that God always heals every time, and I've I've met people like that, and maybe you have too, that is so damaging to people because the only possible out is that God wants to heal. And so if you're not healed, it's because of you. You don't have enough faith. You didn't work hard enough. You didn't do something enough. And that is not true and it damages people. And so we live in that tension. And so it's a tough place to live, but I want to encourage you, do not solve the tension of the kingdom. Does that make sense? We're just going to take a few minutes um, to just open our hearts up to the Lord. We're going to open our hearts up to welcome the king and his kingdom. The uh, the way that we began is I I shared with you the message of John the Baptist and I shared with you the message of Jesus that, um, you know, the Bible said that he was going to make straight paths in the wilderness. He was going to make a path to the kingdom in the desert. And I, I don't know where um, any of you guys are at in your... Uh, in your life, I know that many of you are are living for Jesus, but you struggle. I know that uh, you know there may be some that have been feeling a little bit far from Jesus, and Jesus is making a straight path for you to enter into this beauty of the kingdom of God right now. And so, we just want to welcome uh, you, Lord, into our hearts, and we say, "Let your kingdom come. Let your kingdom come." And I I just want to ask you to ask the Spirit of God, where does my mind need to be renewed? Like, I wonder if any of us have picked up false expectations. Have we thought things about God that just weren't true? Maybe... Uh, We have resolved that tension. Maybe we've just gotten tired of, of praying for people that they would be healed because we're just tired of not seeing anything happen. I just sense in this time that Jesus wants his kingdom to come more fully, powerfully in our midst. And we are the vessels of his kingdom. And so I would just encourage you to open up your heart and to say, I want your kingdom alive in me. I want everything that you have. I want to heal the brokenhearted. I want to set the oppressed free. I want to pray for the sick that they would be healed. I want to be a peacemaker in the world. Would you let your kingdom come in me?